I really enjoy the 23rd Psalm. In our public elementary school in the first grade, 1955 if you're counting, we recited it along with the Lord's Prayer every morning. That was before Madeline Murray convinced the Supreme Court to outlaw prayer in the schools. So I learned the 23rd Psalm by heart at a very early age. But it's hard for me to understand how to handle part of it in my life. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We can't know exactly what it was that the psalmist had in mind, but certainly generations of English readers of Psalm 23 have imagined themselves confronting their own death or the death of someone whom they love and proclaiming they are not afraid because they know with a certainty that God walks this path with them, walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But that is vexing. Facing our mortality, even believing God walks the path with us, is difficult because most of us feel we lack guarantees, unless we've had a near-death experience and basically sense that we've already been dead for a little bit of time and we've returned. A book came out this year which perhaps has made it a little easier on us. Eben Alexander's personal excursion into the afterlife called Proof of Heaven. Dr. Alexander's conscious mind, his neocortex, went offline, so to speak, as a result of being attacked by meningitis. As he says, the neocortex was out of the picture. I was encountering the reality of a world of consciousness that existed completely free of the limitations of my physical brain. In other words, Dr. Alexander, a highly trained, highly skilled, highly academic neurosurgeon, who before this happened to him, poo-pooed any idea of an afterlife, wrote a book about his week spent in heaven, when according to medical researchers, he should have died. For many, Dr. Alexander's writing may well give the comfort of philosopher Teilhard de Chardin's claim that we are not human beings having a spiritual experience, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. For Dr. Alexander, this life is a temporary abode in which the mortal body becomes the habitation of the immortal soul for just a little while. We need not fear death because we are only returning home to a better place from which we originally came. Many people ask me whether their souls will be immortal, whether they will live on. But more ask the lovingly longing question of whether they will see their loved ones again in an afterlife. Certainly Dr. Alexander's book would contend that we will because he saw a deceased sister he didn't even know that he had until after his near-death afterlife experience. 
You see, subsequent to his NDE, as they're called, he found his birth family, having grown up in an adoptive family, a deceased sister he was unaware of at the time of his illness had been his astral guide. He recognized her when he later saw a picture of her when he got the opportunity to meet his birth family. Due to near-death experiences, we have increasing speculation about what some would say is evidence for afterlife and the immortality of the soul. People who have had near-death experiences testify that they have lost their fear of dying because they feel assured that it's just a transition to another life because they've been there. But frankly, it may not be death that is our greatest fear, but the suffering that life may hold along the way. Surely, if we live long enough, we will suffer. It's the story of life. The question is not whether we will suffer, but how we, we will react to that suffering. Many of you sitting in this Yisker service have watched the suffering of others and or have suffered yourselves. What do we do with our suffering? Last night I spoke about the meaning in suffering. I said we must find a purpose in our suffering. Some of you suffer daily. Many of you have either had life-threatening diseases or have had them and continue to worry or now are simply concerned about how many years remain to your life. How do we transform all of this into choosing life? Perhaps we can learn some lessons from the Holocaust, the epitome of concentrated human abuse and suffering. Dr. Viktor Frankl survived multiple death and labor camps in the Holocaust, including Auschwitz and Dachau, and concluded from his great torment that the primary drive in human life is the search for meaning. Frankel writes that every person has the chance of achieving something through his suffering. Now I must hasten to add that I try not to delude myself to believe that I would survive Auschwitz in the manner that Viktor Frankl achieved. I believe I would have succumbed to despair. But Frankl makes it very plain that the goal in life is to remain, in his words, brave, dignified, and unselfish in the face of human persecution. The alternative, he writes, is to succumb to being an animal. Frankl writes of some compatriots in Auschwitz that the way they bore their suffering was a genuine inner achievement. The simple appreciation of life, to experience the harmony present in beauty, to sense the invigoration of friendship and deep communion with another human being, is a spiritual triumph. Victory in the face of death is to determine a purpose for our existence and to pursue that purpose to the very end. Someone I know discovered a selfless loving before dying that she had not known existed before. And this enabled her triumph over death, achieving some of the greatest satisfaction 
in her life in her final weeks of living. But she had to be present to that possibility in order to experience it. One of the benefits of suffering is to enable us to appreciate that these deep satisfactions actually exist and we can bring them into our lives, that we can overcome the ephemeral in life, to penetrate to that which contains deep satisfaction and intrinsic meaning for us, like soul-to-soul -soul loving. I have witnessed both the dying and their caretakers loving away the pain in the other through their selfless actions, increasing the meaning in both lives beyond anything known previously. In such giving, we can occasionally actually lose the sensation of the passing of time and just become focused on the essence of life and serving another soul in the moment. Giving a bath, saving dignity and preventing embarrassment by cleaning up a mess, rubbing a back, can penetrate to transform relationships and individuals far beyond their mere physical activity. They transport us to a deeper loving and can put us in a selfless place that contains the most profound satisfaction for its self-denial. People could accomplish this because, facing death, they had no further encumbrances nothing to be embarrassed or ashamed about, nothing to hold them back from their essential, internal, and genuine emotions and beliefs. All of this becomes possible because of suffering and facing death. And in the face of interminable suffering, we must discover an intrinsic goal for our lives or face the despair of anguish without end. Those who turned life into inner triumph, who could find humor in the moment despite the tragedy surrounding them, who motivated themselves by forcing themselves to overcome the present circumstances to an extent that surprised even themselves, found they created a meaning and purpose in their existence. Years ago, I had a friend who said, I have shown you how to live now I'm going to show you how to die. Dying correctly as a demonstration project and instruction to her friends displayed a strength of character, a spiritual triumph, but also a final and ultimately meaningful project for her life. She determined to live while dying. Even in our most difficult circumstances, there remains the possibility of demonstrating to those we love how to go about creating meaning and purpose and connection, even though we might have thought we would have given up. Our very survival as moral human beings can become our goal in such suffering. To know that we have the inner resources despite the odds and to prove that the very next moment may, may bring something better, something uplifting, that life itself contains blessing 
and the possibility of even more blessing in the moment after, although we may not know exactly how that will come about. Frankel motivated himself by imagining how, once out of the death camp, he would analyze and teach about the experience of living in a concentration camp. But others may just live so as to astonish themselves and those who love them that they can embrace life and live with courage for another moment. But that is not all. Because in a sense, all of this is simply a path to a higher and yet achievable reality. My friend Jackie Epstein died just a few weeks ago. She had endured considerable emotional as well as physical pain in the previous couple of years, and she had borne up well under the strain, but eventually that too took its toll. Jackie had, according to her own testimony and what I witness, a kind of spiritual breakthrough before her death. She relinquished all resentments, all psychological pain. She became almost pure love and accepted all that surrounded her as the gift of life. I don't want to rhapsodize too much on this, but Jackie achieved what few achieve in their dying, a oneness with the universe that mystics and spiritual devotees discuss, and which is truly possible. It's a childlike wonder at the beauty of life, a fascination and acceptance of each single moment of time as precious and even touching on the infinite. It's possible to actually achieve such an attitude without nearing death, but it requires a letting go of ego that most of us would not allow ourselves if we knew we needed to continue to live in this world. We are too afraid. But Jackie demonstrated there's actually nothing to fear. She died surrounded by family, having shared her last two weeks with those she cared most deeply about, and having let go of the pain of existence. The 23rd Psalm encourages us, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Perhaps that is possible. But we ought to prepare and contemplate and strive for the inner harmony that will get us there. It's a goal to achieve, a sense of meaning and purpose and connection that makes suffering and death into the final triumph of living.